welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place for you to experience a grace that heals. We're glad you're here because we're excited about how grace can transform your life and your relationships. Stay tuned. Welcome to episode 11, which is part two of looking at performance-based religion. Before we jump into this week's discussion, here's a brief recap from what we looked at in part one. And I'm glad to talk about this today because performance-based religion is very different from grace. So let's start out by each of us giving kind of what we would define maybe in just one or two sentences performance-based religion. And I guess I'll go first, since I'm the one saying we're going to do it. Give okay. me more time to, more time to think, <laughs> or else I get the easy because I get to be the first one. So anyway, so for me, performance-based religion is a religion that this doesn't matter the group, it doesn't matter the denomination, it doesn't matter, but the idea is for you to be right with God, there are certain standards of behavior, there are certain actions. There are things you must do and you must perform them well to be acceptable to God, to have his favor, and when you fail to perform up to expectation, you actually run the risk of not having a relationship with God, either by default or he cuts you off, he walks away, he can't deal with you. So that's, in just a couple of sentences, that's kind of mine. So, how do you look at, understand performance-based religion? Four days ago, I sat in a living room with a young woman, about 21 perhaps, that was telling me this, I want to please God. I want to know how to please God. So I need to know what the standards are. I need to know what the rules are. I need to know what it is I have to do in order to please God. God, the idea of grace was just too nebulous for her, right? Yes. Of course, she had uh, comes from a family that's actually from Eastern Europe, where okay. there's a lot of Eastern Orthodoxy, right? And so the way you please God in Eastern Orthodoxy, right, is there yes. are certain candles you light, they wear something over your head, there, yep. there you go are confess to the priest. Ways. Yep that that needs to be done. Let me um, go to my profession for a minute. Let's okay. look in, in psychology. One area of psychology is behaviorism. Okay. Behaviorism began with B.F. Skinner. I've heard the name. And <laughs> Beginning psychology <laughs> intro, yes. This performance-based religion is something that Skinner would call rule-bound. It means okay. that you have to have all these rules and you have to stay within these rules, okay? So that's mm -hmm. what we're talking about in performance-based religion. And particularly when, relig when we're talking about religion, you're doing these rules in order to feel like it's going to make you right with God. Yes. You need to do these to measure up. You need to do these to be worthy to be acceptable, and a failure to do them makes you um, unworthy, makes you unacceptable. Right. 
Hi, and welcome back to this podcast where once again we're looking at grace and what is performance-based religion? And not only what is it, what impact does it have on the lives of people who are following it? So, I'm Joel. And I'm Lynn, and we're in the Word today, huh? We are. Um, in our last episode, if you were with us, we were looking at performance-based religion. We kind of gave a definition of it, a little bit of its effects, but then we went to Colossians chapter 2 because there the Apostle Paul seems to be singling out this sort of performance-based religion, um, telling us the sort of things that happen. So we wanted to start today, we wanted to pick back up with that and look at the scripture as a basis um, for this and then go into some of the fruit of this. And some of that fruit is not really nice when you start looking at what happens to people who are in this. Yeah, it actually has social consequences. Of, there are social consequences to living performance-based religion. Yes. So we were looking at Colossians chapter 2 and seeing that in verse 16 it says, therefore, because we're, we've been saved, because our record of debt has been canceled, therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath, these are shadows. He goes on to say in verse 20, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, which we all have, if we are in grace, we have died with Christ to that. Mm -hmm. He says, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to its regulations? And he's saying, these are the world's regulations. These are the regulations of performance-based religion. Yes. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings says these rules indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh mm. in other words they can make you look good on the outside they can do nothing to help who you truly are on the inside and the battle with your flesh well, for instance, if you've had an alcohol addiction for 20 years and you think there's no way it can be kicked, you might join a performance-based religion and all those rules and regulations and things you have to do to make the outside look good might keep that addiction under wraps for yeah, a little while. Kind of at bay, while. maybe. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't solve the issue. The issue is in the heart, and that's an, a heart issue that is only solved through Jesus and the gospel of grace. Correct. So, any other scripture? Um, if this is such a pervasive issue, if performance-based religion, as we said last time, is really in any religion that is not based on grace, the grace of Christ, I'm guessing we'd see more. You've got your Bible, so what <laughs> What do you have? Well, you know, as soon as Jesus died, the apostles were telling other people this basic gospel. Right. So this amazing Jesus was God, came to earth, he lived, he died for your sins, he rose from the dead because he rose, you can have life and you can rise from the dead too, right? And this is what 
Peter preached in Jerusalem, and this is what Paul preached as he went on his missionary journeys, and that you were saved by grace through faith. Right. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will, will be, be saved. saved, it says, right? But almost immediately, people came in behind the apostles and who uh, were traveling with them and preaching to people like Apollos, uh, Mark, probably, right? Timothy. Right. Mm -hmm. And they began to just um, con. <laughs> Confused, twist, yeah. 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 Distort. Um, distort that gospel, right? I like that word, yeah. Um, change what it was that they had originally taught this simple gospel. And particularly what they were doing was adding to with men's rules, which is why Paul ended up having to write these letters to the church and say, yes. no, 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 you're going off in the wrong direction. If anyone brings to you a gospel that's different than the simple gospel that we brought to you, it literally says, let them be accursed. Cursed. Yes. Right? So within 19 years of Jesus' death, um, Paul had to write the book of Galatians. For that reason, the Galatians were off doing performance-based things and needed to be brought back. And then you just read Colossians. Right. So certainly the people in Colossae were <laughs> doing the same thing. And now we have Timothy. So in uh, 1 Timothy 4, again, some of this is some strong stuff. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. Mm. <laughs> some yeah. of this is really tough. Such teachers come through um, liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Anyway, some of these false teachers say things like, they forbid people to marry, and order wow. them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. So there we have again that message that some of this performance-based religion Involves telling you what you can eat, what you can't eat, when you can eat it. And... What you can do, what you can't do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, there's a certain part of us, our flesh, not the part that's been made alive by the spirit, but the certain part of us, our pride that says, I want those rules. Mm -hmm. If you give me the rules and I follow the rules, then I can feel good about me. Right. And it's such an insidious um, thing because it appeals to our flesh, to our desire to perform, um, to our pride. And, but at the end of the day, it takes us away from our identity being centered in Christ. It takes us away from that intimacy that we have, not based on how well we're doing, but what Jesus has done for us. And, and so that... Yeah, that's the greatest danger, don't you think? That's I, the bottom line for works-based faith, is that it takes the focus off of Jesus and puts the focus on you. And instead of being about Jesus, 
and what he did. It's about you and what you're doing. So the question is, where does this lead? What are some of the fruit of performance-based religion? Because just like the fruit of the Spirit has love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, goodness, self-control, those sorts of things, performance-based religion also have their own fruit. They produce something. They can't help but produce it. I, I want to talk a little bit about what that looks like when people are in a performance-based religion. What starts to happen? What comes out of that? Certainly, if you're at the bottom end of that, and we've talked about either you're performing well and you're feeling prideful or you're not performing well. When you're not performing well, then sometimes depression sets in. Because you're not measuring up? Because you're not measuring up and maybe you just have given up thinking that you ever can, right? Well, in a performance-based state, um, there might be things going on like pornography, okay. but on the yeah. internet where no one can see it, right? Yes. There might be things going on like suicide when the depression gets really serious. Wow, yes. There might be things going on like um, prescription drug addiction. So we might need some Zoloft to feel better about ourselves if we feel like we're not measuring up. Um, there are a number of, of things that can kind of be measured, you know? Mm -hmm that might indicate that everything's not real mentally healthy. And, and some of those things do show up in areas where there's workspace faith. So why are these things so prevalent? Well, tell you what, I'll answer my question, I'll throw it out to you and then see in terms of your experience because you lived um, for quite a while in the midst of this sort of context my understanding is that a performance-based religion both creates a problem and tries to provide a solution to the problem. Mm -hmm. So within a performance-based religion, it's about you. It's about what you're doing. It's about following these man-made rules. And when we fail to do it, which we all do, then that creates a sense of not measuring up, a sense of... Um, of inadequacy, uh, a sense of not being sure, and, and a sense of pressure to, to do better. And so... Yeah, and maybe to lie, you know. Yes, to cover to, up, right, to, to pose. Right, to cover up, to make the appearance look like it's good, but... But when that's happening, you have to get relief from that. Nobody can sustain that sort of pressure that sort of internal turmoil and so because what um healthy human beings need is authenticity right authenticity in the way that you see yourself and authenticity in relationship with others not something that's fake or all based on appearances but based on something real right and because in true community, 
because I see my own faults and I know those are covered by the cross, I can see you and your faults and know that your faults are equally covered by the cross. I mean, so if Romans 8, 1, therefore, there, there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. If that's true of me, that has to be equally true of you, which means I can be open about my junk with you. You can be open about your junk with me. And you know what? We're not comparing and condemning. We're both equally sinners at the level foot of the cross that are both going, thank goodness for grace, because we are so messed up. If it was about us and our performance, we would be so disqualified from this thing. But 30 years in performance-based religion taught me to hide any flaws or weaknesses. And after I gave my life to Jesus and got in community with other authentic believers, I remember, remember I told you Jesus took me through my sins, right? And the first yes. one he took me through was pride, that I was very prideful in works-based religion because I thought I was doing well. Well, in community with those other believers one night in a Bible study, I spoke out loud that I was a prideful human being. And I was free. It was the most freeing <laughs> thing. No longer was all that gunk hidden or underground or did I have to make it look better than it was. Once I was able to be authentic and speak it out loud to other people that I felt were a safe place to go, right. it kind of disappeared. It was the most amazing thing. And I realized I could live this free, authentic Christian life without fear. Right. But when that isn't there, that pressure to perform, that feeling of inadequacy, drives people to behaviors, to addictions, to all sorts of junk that messes them up, that leaves them even more empty and more inadequate. And so very often, my experience is the religion will say, well, just do more. If you're feeling inadequate, then you need to do more. You need to try harder. You need to study more, mm -hmm. read more, pray more, whatever it is, perform better. Yes. But all that does is drive the cycle deeper and it drives people deeper into the addiction, deeper into their depression. seeking for relief, their depression. Mm -hmm. And so performance-based religion creates both a problem and offers a solution that only exacerbates the problem. It becomes a vicious cycle. Yes. And really the only way out is what you've said. It's through authentic community it's through acceptance. It's being able to be who you are. And that's only found in grace. I'm sorry, the only place. Because the junk is real. I mean, your pride was real. Yeah. My arrogance, my self-reliance, it is very real. And so I don't need pretend solutions for a real problem. I need real solutions for real problems. And that's what grace does. Grace doesn't sugarcoat it. Grace takes, I think it was in the previous episode, it takes my list of offense, my record of offense that stands against me, and it says, this is real, but you know what we're going to do with it? We're going to put it on the cross. We are nailing this to the chest of Jesus. He's going to take your sin, so you don't have to have that. You are free of that. And man, when the sun sets you free, you're free <laughs> indeed. indeed. <laughs> 
Amen. So I'm guessing probably in a future podcast, we should, um, we should continue to explore what this freedom looks like. Because I think sometimes people say, well, if you're so free, does that mean you just get to do whatever you want? Exactly. So if nothing's prohibited, eat, drink, get drunk, smoke, do drugs. I mean, hey, if it's all... And right. I, so I think we should, we'll probably need to address, well, no, there's balance, there is a response, there is a way to look at that that's biblical that doesn't impose on your freedom. But grace also brings about a whole paradigm and filters for understanding that. So but I think we're going to have to wait till another episode to go into that. You know, Joel, you, you brought something else up that I think is going to be interesting to our audience. You named self-reliance as something that was sinful. Yeah. yeah. And um, most people think, right, God helps those who help themselves, that that's a good thing and that God expects you yes. to take care of yourself. So that's probably another topic we need to address. Grace and self-reliance? Yeah, um, probably a good thing. But you're right, um, culturally, and especially within performance-based religious culture, self-reliance is very often considered a virtue. Yes. And yet, grace says... It's safe to be dependent. In fact, God wants us dependent on Him and His Spirit. So, in fact, amazing things happen when you right. give it all up. And we've already and talked trust. about some stories, and we've got a whole lot more stories to share further down the road. Mm. So, um, wow, once again, thanks so much for being with us, for sharing. We hope that this podcast has helped your life and your love and your relationships flourish in Christ because we all are really imperfect people that are being loved perfectly, being extended grace, um, and we want to hear from people. We do. We want to know what your questions are, what your concerns are, what kind of things you struggle with, what we any of the things that we've said that might be confusing. Um, more than happy to hear your hearts and appreciate you listening to us. So, grace be with you until we meet again. God bless. Hey, thanks so much for being a podcast listener. Lynn and I hope our time with you is encouraging your heart and renewing your hope. We know that the more we trust the grace and love of Jesus, the more he is able to help our lives and relationships truly flourish. Now, I have a special invitation for those who are members or former members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, commonly known also as the Mormon Church. If you are struggling with some of the recent changes or you are questioning certain aspects of this religious system and you'd like a safe place to ask questions and explore options, consider requesting a mentor. The Institute for Religious Research, where I, Joel, am the executive director, offers one-on-one -on -one mentoring for people in a place of doubt, uncertainty, or transition. 
You can learn more about this free program where you set the agenda by going to irr.org and clicking on the Request a Mentor button. All the details you need will be right there. Go to irr.org and click on Request a Mentor. You don't have to walk alone. And speaking of not walking alone, Lynn and I love that we get to walk with you for a while every week. So here's an excerpt from next week's episode. I'm Joel Grote, Lynn Wilder, and Michael Wilder. And today the topic we want to talk about, discuss, is, is there really any such thing as cheap grace? Mike, you want to start us off? Well, you know, um, if there's anything that, since I've become a Christian and began to understand the concept of grace, the words cheap grace really, really upset me. Uh, when somebody states that to me. And I think it comes back from the fact that I lived 30 years in the legalistic system. Okay. I, I lived 30 years in proving to my leaders and proving to God that I was a holy, righteous, religious man. That's at least what I thought. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, so Mormons. Our Mormon friends will use that term. Um, I've heard it a lot from my Mormon friends. When I was a Mormon and after I left the LDS church, uh, and they use the concept of cheap grace. It says, well, you Christians think that uh, you can live any way you want to, and God will save you. And they'll refer to it as cheap grace. Right, this whole idea that if Christ really covers it all, if it's really totally dependent on Him, and if, if it doesn't depend on what I do, then what would keep me from simply living like I want? Right. It was a fascinating and provocative conversation. You're not going to want to miss it. And so you don't, you can subscribe to this podcast right from the website or on iTunes. And while you're there, if you've liked what you've heard, would you consider leaving a rating or review? To those of you who have already done that, thank you so much. If this podcast has encouraged or helped you in some way, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us your comments right on the podcast website, which is unveilinggracepodcast.com. That's unveilinggracepodcast.com, where you can experience a grace that heals.